Sup, you beautiful bastards. Welcome back to the Philip DeFranco Show. I got a fantastic Tuesday show for you today. But first things first, today is the final day if you want to get in on the beautiful bastard June drop. Those emotionally exhausted tie-dyes, the are you taking care of yourself tie-dyes, the embrace change goodness. One out of every hundred shirts gets, oh, exclusive Philip DeFranco face grease. I might be joking, you don't know. But after tonight, they're going away to live on a farm upstate. But with that said, hit that like button and let's just jump into it. You know, the first thing that we have have to talk about today is it's now been a month after the mass shooting in Uvalde, Texas, and we're now finding out even more details about the law enforcement response, and it is fucking horrible. Where the last time we talked about this, there were tons of questions about why the police took so long to confront the shooter, and we now have new information helping to establish a more detailed timeline, starting with the shooter arriving at 11.33 a.m., with then surveillance and body cam footage from inside Robb Elementary indicating that 11 officers entered the school within three minutes of the gunman, with District Police Chief Pete Arredondo reportedly calling a landline at the police department at 11.40 and saying, it's an emergency right now, we have have him in the room. He's got an AR-15. He shot a lot. They need to be outside the building prepared because we don't have firepower right now. It's all pistols. But 19 minutes after the gunman arrives, though at 11.52, footage shows multiple officers in the building armed with rifles and at least one ballistic shield, seeming to indicate that they did in fact have enough weaponry and protection to engage the shooter, but they didn't enter the classroom until about an hour later. Despite one of the officer's daughters reportedly being inside the classroom and another getting a call from his wife, a teacher, telling him she was bleeding to death. And according to reports, many of them did in fact want to get in there immediately with one arriving 20 minutes after the shooting started and asking if kids were still in the classroom, with him then saying if there is, then they need to just go in. Though another officer answered, it is unknown at this time. To which the first snaps back, y'all don't know if there's kids in there? If there's kids in there, we need to go in there. To which the other responded, whoever is in charge will determine that. And so for the next hour, they just waited outside the doors. And according to Arredondo's account, the officers tried to open those doors, but they found that they were locked and so they had to wait for a master key. But we now know that there is no evidence that the officers ever even tried to open the door and it's been confirmed by a top official that they were never actually locked at all. Plus, one officer says that within the first minutes of the police response, they actually had access to a Halligan bar, which is an axe-like tool used by firefighters to break through locked doors. But they just never used it. And finally, 30 minutes before law enforcement entered the classroom, the officers had a total of four ballistic shields on hand. And so that's why with all of this, you have the director of Texas's Department of Public Safety calling the police response an abject failure and saying, the only thing stopping a hallway of dedicated officers from entering rooms 111 and 112 was the on-scene commander who decided to place the lives of officers before the lives of children. The officers have weapons, the children had none. Also with this, you have a Texas House committee holding a hearing today where Arredondo, whom many parents have demanded be fired, will testify. And of course, with all this, I do want to remind everyone that the timeline of events and details could still change as more evidence emerges. But this is what we know so far, and it's just, it's so drastically different than what we heard on day one. And so we wait to see what else is revealed next. I do want to pass the question off to you. What are your thoughts with this story? And then we got to talk about Stephen Colbert in the news, because if you watch Fox News and Tucker Carlson, you may be under the impression that he and his late-night crew committed insurrection. With that, as reports explain, referring to Colbert's production crew's unescorted entrance into a house office building authorized by Representative Adam Schiff, with Carlson implying that this was hypocrisy because Schiff has spent the last year and a half telling you that unauthorized violations of capital space are a coup. Which, I mean, without even diving in, just surface level, that's so fucking stupid. If it weren't for the fact that Tucker Carlson was a lying grifter, I would ask, how many times were you dropped on your fucking head to believe that? To compare the violent storm of our capital with people wanting to find and kill Congress people to whatever fucking little thing this was. But of course, there was a question of what is this thing? Which, by the way, we've actually known a decent amount since Friday. The incident reportedly happened on Thursday, and on Friday, it was reported that U.S. Capitol Police said that a group of people were confronted in the Longworth House office building, and adding that while the building was closed to visitors, the staffers were determined to be a part of a group that had been directed by the USCP to leave the building earlier in the day. With CBS also releasing a statement saying that a production team from The Late Show, as well as Triumph the Insult Comic Dog, who if you don't know is a 
a puppet were in DC to film interviews for a segment, which were authorized and prearranged through congressional aides. But after leaving members' offices, the team stayed to film other bits, and that is when they were allegedly detained. And even though focusing on this story is an obvious attempt to kind of distract from what's happening at the January 6th hearings, you had people wondering, are we gonna get some more insight from Stephen Colbert himself? And last night, Colbert mentioned it in his monologue explaining what happened, saying that several politicians on both sides of the aisle agreed to be interviewed by Triumph for the show, and confirming that they had stayed in the building later to film extra gags, and they were detained with Colbert explaining, The Capitol Police were just doing their job. My staff was just doing their job. Everyone was very professional. Everyone was very calm. My staffers were detained, processed, and released. With Colbert making jokes, but also slamming anyone who compared this to the insurrection. This was first-degree puppetry. <laughs> this was hijinks with intent to goof. <laughs> Misappropriation of an old Conan bit. But drawing any equivalence between rioters storming our capital to prevent the counting of electoral ballots and a cigar-chomping toy dog is a shameful and grotesque insult to the memory of everyone who died. And it obscenely trivializes the service and the courage the Capitol Police showed on that terrible day. And while online, you literally have some people trying to accuse Colbert and his team of being dangerous criminals wreaking havoc on America. For most people bestowed with common sense, which appears to be fewer and fewer people, this does appear to be a settled issue. An attempt to take a small oops and turn it into a major controversy to distract from the big fucking elephant in the room. And then, you know, approximately 40 million dogs suffer from some sort of stress-related behavior, which escalates at times like the 4th of July, which actually makes us a great time to thank today's sponsor, Cradle. Cradle's products help your dog cope with stress and anxiousness associated with fireworks and family gatherings this time of year. They have bundles of chews for 4th of July fireworks, road trips, separation, or any other stressful occasion. And Cradle's unique products work naturally with canine bodily systems to calm your dog safely and quickly. The all-day calming bone, the Bliss Bar chillers with or without CBD or CBD chews and melts are some of the products available. And I gotta tell you, my dog Georgia, she has separation anxiety tendencies. When I gave her that Bliss Bar, I mean, she was just so chill and happy, but not drugged, but also not showing the anxiety she had in the past. And Cradle's a great company. They're giving back to animal shelters everywhere, making adoption easier for all. So for 20% off your order of Cradle products, go to cradlemypet.com slash defranco and use promo code defranco at checkout. Order online before June 28th to receive by July 4th or visit your local Walmart to see their line of calming supplements in person. That's cradlemypet.com slash defranco, promo code defranco. And then we had Dave Chappelle back in the news because do you remember a while back he went to the Duke Ellington School of the Arts? It's actually his old high school. It's in the midst of the, the success and the back and the controversy around his Netflix special, The Closer, with him reportedly being met with like a mixed reaction, some students heckling him, there was this awkward back and forth, and reportedly the school was set to name their performance theater after Dave Chappelle. To which TMZ reported, Dave challenged both his supporters and his opponents, asking both sides to raise money for the school, and if the opponents raised more money, he'd gladly forgo the honor of having the building renamed. And according to TMZ, Chappelle supporters raised more money, so they were going to name the theater after him. But then, yesterday, when the dedication ceremony was actually held, you had the Washington Post reporting that Chappelle announced that the theater will not be named after after him, and instead it'll be called the Theater for Artistic Freedom and Expression. And according to the Post, during the ceremony, he claimed that the criticism against him sincerely hurt, but added that the Ellington family is my family, further explaining that he didn't want the theater being named after him to turn into a distraction for students. The Post columnist Josh Rogan tweeting that Chappelle said, The idea that my name will be turned into an instrument of someone else's perceived oppression is untenable to me. But also adding that Chappelle slammed the criticisms that he faced, saying that the upset students were repeating someone else's agenda, and adding that, quote, these kids didn't understand that they were instruments of oppression. And with that, saying that his special was not treated fairly by the press, and claiming you cannot report on an artist's work and remove artistic nuance. Though, as far as the future of the
the theater's name is concerned, you have the Atlantic reporting Chappelle did suggest that his name could potentially be added to it further down the line if the community was ready for it. Then, we should definitely talk about the Supreme Court, because while we wait to see if it's going to be five or six people that undo abortion access for over 170 million American women, they are also ruling on other things like this case out of Maine. And the case in question here is titled Carson v. Macon. It's centered around a program that allows people in rural areas of the state without public high schools to receive state tuition assistance for public and private schools in other towns. But those schools had to be without religious ties. And so with this, you had families who wanted to use the program to send their kids to Christian-affiliated schools, arguing that this rule violated the Constitution. Now, for their part, the state submitted a briefing where Maine's attorney general argued that the two schools that the parents wanted to send their children to, quote, candidly admit that they discriminate against homosexuals, individuals who are transgender, and non-Christians with respect to both who they admit as students and who they hire as teachers and staff. And further arguing, this case is not about whether the schools have the right to behave in this manner as it is beyond dispute that they do. It is only about whether Maine must fund their educational program as the substantive equivalent of a public education. But today, in a 6-3 ruling with Breyer, Kagan, and Sotomayor dissenting, the Supreme Court took the side of the families, saying that Maine's refusal to include religiously affiliated schools in the program was unconstitutional. Chief Justice John Roberts, writing in the majority opinion that the program promotes stricter separation of church and state than the federal constitution requires, and saying the state pays tuition for certain students at private schools so long as the schools are not religious. That is discrimination against religion. Though, on the other side of this, he had Sotomayor writing in a dissent that the court is, quote, leading us to a place where separation of church and state is a constitutional slogan, not a constitutional commitment. And going on to say, this court continues to dismantle the wall of separation between church and state that the framers fought to build. Right, so two very big statements. And so, of course, with this story and the sentiment of those last two, I'd love to know your thoughts here. And then let's talk about the Israeli government. There was there was a time where there was like every few weeks we'd have to talk about this, but it's happened again. The Israeli government has fallen apart. With us seeing late last night, Prime Minister Naftali Bennett and Foreign Minister Yair Lapid, both of whom represent major stakeholders in the coalition government, mutually deciding to dissolve parliament. Meaning that for the fifth time in three years, Israelis will be heading to the polls. And honestly, this is not surprising. The current one-year government was an outrageously fragile coalition. It was made up of parties from every part of the political spectrum. And for the first time in Israeli history, even the largest Arab party. Although, that does not mean that it didn't have some legislative wins. It did manage to pass a budget for the first time in three years. Although, that mainly speaks to how bad past governments were, that the bare minimum's like a huge success. But, you know, really, the only thing that brought all of these groups together was the desire to keep Benjamin, Bibi, and Netanyahu out of power. And speaking of Bibi, it's no shocker that he's seeing this as an opportunity to take back power. Vowing in a new video that my colleagues and I will form a national government led by the Likud that will take care of everyone, all citizens of Israel without any exception. And so what we're going to see is that by law, elections have to take place within five months. And in the meantime, Lapid will be the caretaker premier per the agreement that put this government together. And so with this, a lot can happen in five months. Who knows, maybe Netanyahu will actually get in trouble over the alleged widespread corruption during his time in office. Although, there there have been talks about a plea deal. And so yeah, I guess expect to hear about this in October when elections are expected to take place. And then again in like June of 2023 when elections are expected to take place and probably also like December of 2023. Because seemingly this is the song that never ends. But ultimately that is the end of today's show after a just series of really long ones. This one feels small, even though this was like the regular length of the videos for the longest time. But the schedule for the next two days is kind of crazy. I'm all over the place. I think we're interviewing someone from the January 6th committee. It's a, it's a lot. Tune in tomorrow and Thursday. And oh my God, good transition. Uh, before that, make sure you go to beautifulbastard.com and uh, get in on that June drop before it's too late. And of course, as always, my name's Philip DeFranco. You've just been filled in. I love your faces and I'll see you tomorrow, probably.